And the imminent closure for repairs of a vital gateway to Northland is a devastating blow for transport and tourism operators. State Highway 1 through the Brindirwin Hills is closing again on Monday for more repairs to the damage caused by Cyclone Gabrielle. The route will close for a month, temporarily reopening for Easter travel and then be off limits again for another few weeks. This latest closure will force motorists and the 1,200 truckies who travel the route daily to take lengthy diversions. Uh, to discuss the economic impact and how businesses and major road users will cope, we welcome the Chief Executive of the National Road Carriers Association, Justin Tai Umbers. Morena, Justin. Morning, Catherine. And Ricky Kinnaird, who's the co-owner of the Duke of Marlborough Hotel in Russell. Kia ora, Ricky. Morning. Justin, can you start, please, with the impact here? Can you just explain to people the scale of diversions that trucks are going to have to take when they're making regular runs? Can you give us a couple of examples? Yeah, sure. So this this is a major deal where we're closing State Highway 1 between two main centres in New Zealand, of course, Auckland and Whangarei. Um, For the transport operators, there's a lot that do daily runs um, from Auckland or slightly further south up to Northland and back in a single day. Um, they won't be able to complete those runs, um, a lot of them, in a single day now, forcing an overnight somewhere. So um, a lot of the trucks are having to divert 70 kilometres um, through State Highway 12 to 14. Um, so it's a big hook out to the west, adding on um, you know, up to a couple of hours. And then the, the shorter detour is 30 kilometres, um, which, is, which is getting on to about half an hour to 45 minutes extra for those trucks. So... Yeah, major is that, is that a lighter um, lighter trucks? Is that what makes the difference between them to go the the really long way or the longer long way? Yeah, that's that's right. Trucks up to fifty ton can go the shorter route. Yeah, what um, proportion would that be? Tough question, I know, but you know, roughly, what do you expect proportion would that be of the fleet using these roads, using this road regularly? Sure. Look, fortunately, it will be the majority of, of the heavy trucks will be able to take the 30-kilometre route, and right. some of them will actually adjust their loading as well so that they're able to take it. Right. Trucks and trailers cannot use the Cove Road detour, uh, and what's the story with Gorge Road and Waipu Gorge Road? I think, again, trucks with trailers not allowed there. So, again, does this depend on where you're going, uh, exactly what the impacts are going to be? Yeah, look, that, that, that's right. And what's, what NZTA are trying to do there, and, and in fact what national road carriers have, have been doing a lot of work to achieve, is the separation of traffic. So you've got a lot of holiday makers, um, you know, obviously wanting to go up to beautiful Northlands, and then lots of heavy vehicles also needing to keep the Northland economy going. And ideally, when you've got State Highway 1 running, you know, you've got a good degree of separation and, and it's relatively safe, and the road's built for that level of traffic. The challenge with the detours is, of course, they're secondary roads, they're tighter corners, the driving's a little more tricky. Um, so you've got to actually, as much as you can, separate our private motor vehicles, which uh, they've got the cove road that they can take. So if you're driving up for your holiday, you can drive the beautiful Waipu, Waipu Cove Road, um, and the trucks will be taking Paparoa, Oakley, um, or State Highway 12 to 14. So really working to keep that separation for safety reasons. The transport operators, um, the, our professional truck drivers out there every day, um, you know, they see dangerous driving when people are in a hurry to get on their holiday or caught behind a truck, um, they're overtaking in, in wrong spots, and that just increases when you're on those secondary roads. So closure around nine weeks in total, with uh, the exception of Easter. How are your members reacting? What are they telling you about the stress here? Yeah. 
Yes, look, I've been at a number of um, meetings up in up in the far north and in Whangarei, um, meeting with our meeting uh, our members, and you have a chat to them. You know, the majority of them are, are small business owners. They've got their own money, you know, tied up heavily in their business. Um, they've taken an absolute battering up there in Northland um, over the over the you know three years of pandemic. I need to come out of that and then have the cyclone and flooding, of course. So when they're faced with this closure, um, your, your heart goes out to them because you can just see the, the fear in their eyes. Nine weeks is a hell of a long time. And what it means for them is they, um, they usually can't pass through the extra cost because they're tied into a contract to deliver goods at a particular rate or the market simply won't bear the extra, the extra transport costs. So they're, they're enormously frustrated because a lot of these operators have been running you know, 20, 30 years, and they've been calling um, for this to be addressed for those 20 or 30 years. This is the world's most predictable problem, Catherine, and we did nothing about it, and we're now exactly at the worst possible moment, right where we shouldn't be having a shutter main arterial. Those extra costs, extra fuel costs, of course, and, and just extra time. As you say, drivers will run out of hours they're allowed to drive, and there's going to be some overnighting. That that sums up um, or indicates... Yeah, I can... I can give you a couple of couple of examples. So we've got some forestry um, transport operators. So these forests, um, you know, south of the Brindurans that need the logs delivered up to Northport. Um, those those smaller forestry owners and forestry operations are just saying, right, well, we won't cut for those nine weeks because we're not going to um, be able to get the margin we need because the transport costs have gone up too much. We've got another dairy operator who um, has to cross the Brindurans um, each day, and he's tallied up it's going to be 150k cost um, extra for him that he cannot pass on through to customers because you and I don't want to pay more for our milk, of course. I was talking to the Transport Minister the other day about this closure, and um, the government is proposing, I don't think it is yet funded, but is proposing making a priority a replacement four lane highway for the Brindewins, given its vulnerability to slips. Uh, but he said, trying to get a timeline out of that, when, when you've first got to decide on one of two options and then do everything involved in getting a new motorway built, um, the timeline he was talking about was that there was five to seven years left in the Brindewins no matter what, even if you just keep repairing every time this happens. Um, and so he's kind of moving towards that kind of a timeline. Do you think that is overly optimistic? Do you welcome it? <laughs> Yeah, look, great question. I, I certainly welcome it, and I don't think it's optimistic. I think it's it's realistic because it's it's simple fact. That's what the NZTA are telling us. We've we've got this um, this road that's just in a in a precarious position ultimately because of the topography. So you know, NZTA can do their best and shore it up for five or seven years, but that's that's literally all we've got. I think we need to get more creative. Um, and imaginative about how we deal with these these situations. So we've seen the example on 25A in the Coromandel, what can actually be done when we put our minds to it. So you can change the tender process, you can um, you know fast track the commercial process, um, and then if you, if you can get in around um, some of the resource consenting and things, because the whole community desperately needs it, magic can happen. Yeah, I think that, was, example, that was a bridge, and I don't want to underestimate it, but that was a bridge. This is a whole yeah. state highway. And the other matter yeah. is that one of the issues that seems to be a big factor here, whether it's Puhoi or whether it's Transmission Gully, is simply sorting out between the various parties who are funding it 
how you're going to deal with cost blowouts and problems. But Justin, just yeah. quickly on that note before I come to Ricky, um, do you believe the Brindouins is a biggie and has long been a biggie? And, and, and you know, Northland has suffered a very long time, actually over a lot of roading issues. But do you see this repeated? And, and do the truckies that you represent indicate this is one and there'll be more where roads are really at the point of vulnerability? Yeah, look, that, that's right, and it's not a, it's not a problem unique to Northlands. It's um, it's prevalent up and down the country because we haven't kept up with our maintenance, and and this is also why national road carriers have been calling for a fifty year roading infrastructure plan, so we can highlight those vulnerable areas of the network okay. and get on top of them quickly. So this Thank won't you. be the last. Thank you, Justin Ty, uh, Justin Ty Umbers. Uh, Ricky Kinnead is owner of the Mighty Duke of Melbourne Hotel in Russell. Um, Ricky, you've been affected by this closure at the Brindouins before. Now you've got nine weeks of it. Just what is it going to mean for your business? Oh, first of all, I think when you hear the transport operators, we're all in the same boat. We all know each other and, and are good friends. So we're all sharing the pain. But we want the Brindouins fixed and we want it fixed for a long term. So I think we're all all aligned with that. But from a tourism industry perspective... You know, we're just starting to get a rhythm. This is the first summer um, post-COVID and cyclone that it's starting to feel good. Uh, February's stonking up here. It's great weather, lots of people, cruise ships. But what what you see is, you know, pre-COVID a $1.1 billion industry. Most of that's domestic tourism. And roughly around 20 25% of that is around um, March, April and part of May. So it's a good chunk and on an industry with low margins. But unlike the transport industry, that's at risk. It's not an extra cost and the revenue's there. It's people not coming up and and basically not spending up here. So you don't get a chance to get their money back, and that pays for kids' schooling and stuff like that. We're a bunch of SMEs up here, good people who are just in the industry and providing great service and their own personality. But without the people walking through the door, you can't cover the school fees and the mortgage. What is the route that people need to take during these nine weeks to reach you? What are a couple of the key diversions? Yeah, so it it sounds weird, but from our side, it's a bit of a storm in the teacup because the barrier of timing is, you know, two years ago, we got the Puhoi Expressway, which is pretty cool. You know, yeah, you take 20 minutes off a Tuesday and then you go through Waipu and you add 20 minutes. So from a timing perspective, especially with all the smart movements around moving trucks and, and, and heavy traffic, the timing perspective isn't, isn't a challenge. It's just a different route. And if you want to take long and go through Dargaville and see the scenic route and enjoy that route as well, you, you can. So what, what problem we believe we face is that... Um, it's a communication challenge for the tourism industry. It's, nothing's changed up here. It's great to be here. We've got the weather. It's a beautiful time of year. Just go left or right. Yeah. Are you frustrated with NZTA about the communications? Yeah, I mean, the decisions... And to be fair, when you look at a multi-billion dollar project, really good at what they do well doing the roads. But from a tourism perspective, the decision-making cycle for a customer to come in April is two to three months ahead. So if we can't communicate in the right way and a simple message go left, right, doesn't take it too long, go to the bay as you end journey, 
and by the way, there's no stress at the right time, we lose the trait. And that's what's happening now. So February's great for everyone. Um, March is okay for the Duke. It's great for the Duke because we've got weddings and stuff. But on the ground, the book is light for March, April, May, from where it should be given the weather and, and we're back in a rhythm. And part of the reason for that is that people think we're closed. So do you need NZTA to get its act together and get a really straightforward campaign, literally with a map going go left, go right, and some timings on it or whatever, and get the message out? Is it incumbent on them? Um, well, the good thing is, well, the bad thing is that the urgency and the lateness to this puzzle, um, you know, the money, NZTA and our RTO and, and the powers that be got together and there's about two to 300,000 to promote this message. So that's a good thing, but it was decided late. So February and now you're starting to see messaging coming out and it is confusing. So it's not as articulate as it should be, but there's energy now. So we've lost time for this, but if we can just keep that up, keep the messaging going, really push hard for the next few months, hopefully we can attract some of the people we've lost or are late decision makers. So they're moving, but in their project plan, this should have been months and months ago, last year. Thanks both very much. Ricky Kinnead there, who is with the Duke of Marlborough Hotel in Russell, co-owner there, and earlier speaking to Justin Ty Umbers, who represents, I can never remember their name, uh, represents the truckies, basically.